everybody. Welcome to the Spilled OT Podcast. How's it going? What's new? What's going on? So, a couple things are changing over here. I'm trying to take a little bit more of a relaxed approach when it comes to podcasting and social media. I started my YouTube channel, but I'm not so sure I'm going to continue it. Let me know your feedback if you've had a chance to go over there. Thing is, it's taking like so much longer than I expected to edit and I just like don't have the time. I'm um, starting some new projects with my job as an OT so I'm also doing a little bit more in some other areas so kind of got a lot going on so let me know if you want that YouTube channel to continue. I'm not so sold on it. I don't really think it's for me so let me know your thoughts. So today we are talking to an amazing occupational therapist. He works in Canada and he has an Instagram called Over the Top OT and I will link everything below. But I loved his interview. He talks about working in a remote area in Canada. He talks about how he supervised OT students in India, which is so cool. And he just shares about being a generalist because as an OT, usually we end up specializing in in some sort of way or we work in pretty much one setting, maybe in a skilled nursing facility where even though we're not a specialty per se, we are still kind of narrowed in on our population in general, but he works the whole gamut. So he's working peds, he's working older adults, he's working outpatient, a ton that he is doing. And I thought that he was just a really special person. And I should mention, he's only done this in like the past three or four years. So he has done so much. And I think we will jump right into the interview. And I hope that you enjoy. So my name is Jean-Francois Couvret. I'm a Canadian from, uh, I initially studied in Ottawa. So Ottawa is, in, is the capital of, of Canada in Ontario. I did both my bachelor's degree and my master's degree at the University of Ottawa. My bachelor's was in human kinetics and my master's was obviously in occupational therapy, which I completed actually after a couple couple years off of school where I sort of took some time to find myself in some ways and to, to really identify the career path for me. And it turned out to be a friend that kind of turned me on to occupational therapy. I, uh, I haven't looked back since. I graduated in 2017, in the summer of 2017. I'm closing in on approximately two years and a, and a half of practice. Um, I started my practice in Ottawa. I was working for a private clinic that uh, mostly dealt with motor vehicle accident victims, as well as uh, had actually a, a pretty large military and former military, so veteran uh, base in, in terms of their clientele. I worked mostly with people, so either from, from the, the motor vehicle accident side of things or the, the military side of things. It was a lot of chronic pain, a lot of anxiety-related disorders, a lot of PTSD, or um, or other sort of anxiety-like uh, disorders. I worked with, um, obviously, other mental health disorders such as depression, mostly, I guess, in, in the mood disorders, um, 
category. I also work with traumatic brain injury and uh, concussion as well, post-concussion syndrome. So that's where I focus most of my energy. That was really the majority of my clientele for the first year and a half after graduation. And I had a, a really tremendous experience there. I, I found that I was mostly doing um, education and, and helping people sort of redesign their lives in order to, to help them cope with their, their new symptoms uh, following the trauma or following the, the injury or sort of the, sort of the chronic uh, symptoms that they were experiencing. And it, it was helping them find some degree of normality and, and, and helping them um, really find, find, meaning, find meaning and, and, and a bit of a purpose in what their, their new realities uh, entailed. Uh, so after a year and a half of doing that, I signed up to go way up north in the, in the far, far north of Canada, which is in the Northwest Territory. So in Canada, we have, as opposed to states, we have provinces and we have territories. The Northwest Territories are sort of the, the north, basically the, the North Pole. Um, I'm, I happen to be in the south of the north, but it's still quite remote. I'm in a community of approximately 2,500 uh, people with the majority being uh, native, uh, a native population. And I'm basically a generalist. I'm the only occupational therapist, estimate a 300 kilometer radius. So I do everything and anything that comes in. Anyone that requires services that are within the occupational therapy scope, I try to, to, um, to, to provide uh, that service. I'm working with the entire lifespan. So from infants to people in old age, I, I do actually a lot of my work in a, a long-term care facility. Um, I usually when, when school is, is on, um, I will spend two days out of five um, with the kiddos at school. So I, I'm quite, my clientele is quite uh, diversified and I, I'm sort of touching the entire scope of OT, which has been really, really a blessing. But at the same time, it comes with, it, with, with this, its flaws in the sense that I, I'm the only OT here and I'm a pretty freshly graduated OT at that. So I don't really have the same type of mentorship that I would have access to in a, in a bigger sort of city center or you know anywhere that isn't as remote as, as where I am. We also don't necessarily have the same resources as um, other more populated areas. So it's been quite interesting having to wrestle with uh, you know, having to, 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 to provide so many services at once, serving such a, a wide population and, and a population with such a, a variety of needs, you know, from, from mental health disorders to, to strictly physical, um, you know, to, to the kiddos that have their either fine motor or gross motor difficulties or issues with behavior or self-regulation. And then, you know, doing everything like the, the, you know, the typical sort of OT 
kind of assessment, the, the home safety assessment, the wheelchair assessments, the positioning, um, all of the really everything that you can possibly think of and associate with OT. I'm, I'm having to, to provide that service, yet I don't necessarily have the clinical support, uh, nor do I have the an extensive um, resource base as well. So I kind of have to fend for myself. I am in a small uh, rehab team where we have, you know, I work alongside a physiotherapist. I've got a, um, a rehab assistant who provides help to both myself and the physio. And we also have a uh, speech therapist on the team. So that's sort of my little my little network and we we sort of mutually support each other because we're all going through the the same challenges of of working in such a remote community and we work with a lot of mutual clients so it's been that type of teamwork and um and collaboration has really been one of the one of the highlights of my experience so far I've worked here for about six months, and I, I anticipate staying here for at least another year and a half, perhaps a little bit more. I'm really loving the, the, the experience that I'm getting here, but at the same time, I know that it's not, it's not a, a setting where I'll be able to, to continue to, to grow continuously uh, and perpetually if I stay here for 10, 15, 20 years. Um, so I do see it as a sort of a temporary experience, but I'm I'm embracing it and, and absolutely loving it. Um, I've also had the opportunity to supervise OT students already. Um, in my in my young career, I've done two stints of supervision. One was well, actually both happened to be in settings that I wasn't working in. Funny enough. Uh, one was in a school in Ottawa, an elementary school that uh, that actually had most uh, most students in the area that had either uh, attention deficits or behavioral difficulties. Uh, so all all of those that essentially weren't able to function in a in a regular school were sort of were were transferred to the school where, where I did that supervision. I happened to, as a student myself, have it my last placement there. And that's sort of why I was recruited for the, for the role. In uh, my latest supervision experience was actually in India, where I volunteered as a supervisor for students from Quebec um, who came over to India as well. And we provided uh, services to a spinal cord injured population, as well as a, um, a stroke outpatient clientele. So it was, uh, that was also out of my, out of my comfort zone. So uh, as you can tell, both supervision experiences don't really have anything to do with what I was doing in my past in Ottawa and what I'm doing currently in the North, uh, but I, I happen to, to get a lot from the experience of working with a different clientele. And also, you know, with the, the fortune to, of, of meeting and working alongside some really great, uh, autonomous, independent, innovative um, students from, from Canada. 
So it's it's been a thrill so far in the in the two years and a bit that I've been I've been at it. I uh, I'm looking forward to sort of seeing where this path takes me. I'm definitely hoping to be a bit of a shapeshifter here in in the OT community, especially in in Canada. Um, I I see so much potential in our in our profession, and I feel that we have such a nice philosophy and guiding principles. And I I really think that we can have um, a large role in the way that the health, that healthcare and that the healthcare system is is sort of transitioning or transforming to meet the needs of of a higher um, incidence and prevalence of chronic illness and and also mental illness. So I, I'm I'm really I'm hoping that as an occupational therapist and as a, a member of this, this profession that I can that I can have a role on a more preventative side of things and help um, help the, the healthcare system really manage the, these chronic um, these chronic disabilities that are that are really popping up with this aging population that we have. So a bit of a a bit of a long rant to sum up my 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 path thus far and my and hopefully my future path. But I believe that that basically sums it up. Wow. I I've been taking notes and it sounds like you are quite a trailblazer and such a leader. And it's just really impressive to see how much you've done in your, I mean, two years and you've already done so much. I think for my disorganized brain, can I start narrow and then kind of broaden it out? Absolutely. Okay. So you said that the area that you're living in has about 2,500 people. You're working with a PT, an SLP, a rehab tech. Yeah, we call them rehab assistants in Canada, but she can help uh, both the physio, myself, and even the, the SLP. As okay. And then do you see most of your clients face-to-face, or do you ever talk to them remotely? Uh, so funny enough, I do most of my work uh, face-to-face. I happen to be in a you know, it's only 2,500 people, but it's actually a, a fairly condensed population. And we're not doing also smaller remote communities across the territories. Now, if you go higher up north, uh, some of the OTs that work stay out of Yellowknife or Inuvik, those are, they're just further up north and they actually have a catchment that is wider than their, than just their township. So they, they, they fly out and they see they see um, smaller communities of 200 to 500 people, um, or or they can actually work with these people also remotely via via telehealth. So I happen to be fortunate in a way because I the population I work with is is local. So up until this pandemic, I was seeing everybody uh, on a face to face basis. Okay. And how has that been culturally to go into such a small condensed area? Do you feel like you were welcomed and appreciated or was it a little bit like you had to advocate for yourself and explain what OT was kind of as a transplanter? Yeah, well, that's a really good question. I I think it's I was fortunate in a sense because I wasn't the first OT here. 
I, I was filling the position, but there had been numerous OTs before me, and I believe that they had done a great job of establishing um, the role of, of, an, of an occupational therapist. There was already great programs established in, in the one school that we have here. There was, there was already sort of the, the foundation, and I think the public awareness. Um, so the, the doctors, the nurses, the other sort of healthcare workers, uh, they knew what, you know, what my role was. The teachers, the principals, everyone at school also knew, you know, who to refer to me. It seemed like in general, uh, there's a good awareness of, of, of what I do. And, and yes, you know, I was welcomed by the community with open arms. Now, it's not to say that I didn't have to prove my worth. You know, I still had to, to put in the work. And, and really, you know, it was a baptism by fire when I started. And I had to really figure it out quickly. But, you know, I can definitely say that, that that's been one of the biggest highlights of working here is how, um, is how warmly welcomed I was. And I was, I was completely embraced by the community. I'm so Thank glad you. to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really been it's really been a treat. Now I I did help myself by by getting by sort of investing myself in the community. I you know I ran sort of education groups. I did some coaching with the the high school. I coached some volleyball. I you know I was also active in in sports. I played hockey. I played beach volleyball. So I got to I got to to build quite a network uh, fairly quickly. So the, my first six months there were, were really got, got busy and uh, I, I, found, I found sort of my people quite quickly. That's great. And it's great that you were able to just immerse yourself so easily. How did you find this job? Were you looking to move to that area or were you talking to a, a contractor and they were the one that said that they needed somebody in this area? Yeah, it was actually quite a, a random strike of inspiration, I think, uh, that I had to, to just go for a, a really unique experience. I was, uh, I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine, and, you know, he spoke of a, so my, my friend was a, was a physiotherapist, and he spoke of a, of a friend of his that was a physio working in Nunavut, which is another northern territory here in Canada. And he was saying how much it, how much of a thrill it was for him, and and truly, it's it's a it's a unique experience that can't be matched anywhere else in, in the country. Um, so I kind of just did a bit of a Google search, and I came up with Fort Smith, which is a small town bordering on uh, Alberta, the province of Alberta, and just at the at the very southern order of the Northwest Territories. It seemed like such a, a charming community for, from the Im images that I could find on Google. I didn't know too much about the community at all. I, I didn't know anyone that had ever been there. Um, I just kind of took a chance and I said, why not, you know, why not take, a, um, take up an interview and see where, see where it goes? And I ended up actually leaving from my, my work in Ottawa on a, um, on a on a leave of uh, on a leave without pay for six months, and at, once the six months w was over, I decided to to extend my 
my stay here in the north, and I had to um, to to basically withdraw from my my work in Ottawa. Wow! So it sounds like it's been really successful. Yeah, it's it's been it's been more than I could have imagined when I when I took on the the interview process. It's been really quite the ride. So cool. So how is it being a generalist? Because I've switched jobs a lot. I've been in pediatrics. I've been in geriatrics. I've worked in an outpatient center. I've I never worked in pelvic floor, but I came very close and did a lot of shadowing in pelvic floor and educated okay. myself. I've done assistive technology and all of that required so much like time and me talking to people and me like me having to learn on my own. So I can't even imagine being thrown in and expected to treat such a diverse population. Like how did you navigate that? How are you feeling about it? That's a lot. It's, it's really a lot. So I, I do appreciate your sympathy and, and your empathy. I, uh, it, it's been, it's been a struggle. I can't say that it hasn't been hard. I feel like I'm on my own in a sense. Uh, and I'm having to, to really dig into my, my previous, uh, you know, my previous school notes and everything that I, I've learned, you know, it seems so far away already during the masters, but also during my, my clinical placements and having to draw from the, the literature because I often find myself, you know, on the internet trying to figure out what, what I need to do. And often, you know, I'm not going to lie, I don't feel I have a clue what, what I'm doing. So it's, it's interesting, it's nerve-wracking, but it's it's forced it's really forced me to to adapt and figure it out. I'm really you know I feel like I'm flying by the seat of my pants most of the time, but I mean I I have I have to sink or swim. Um, so it's really been it it as much as it's been a challenge, it's been a struggle. Some days are harder than others, um, especially without like I said the, the the clinical sort of guidance and mentorship. I've had to, you know, I have actually spoken to, to former OT classmates. I've had, I've spoken to, to occupational therapists also that work elsewhere in the North, either in Yellowknife or in Ubik. I've went to them for counsel. You know, I've really had to, to be resourceful and, and get as much as I can uh, between my own personal resources and my sort of social network. I've, I've had to, to really optimize my what I can get from from what I have and what I have access to. I really appreciate you being so candid because I can't tell you the amount of times where I've read someone's chart and I've had zero idea even what their diagnosis <laughs> is. And then I have to like Google it real quick because I'm supposed to already be in the room. And right. you just I think like that's what OTs we are really good at is like OT in its essence really comes down to looking at that person and it doesn't necessarily even mean what's in their chart. I mean, it's all of course important, but like mm -hmm. knowing who the person is in front of you and how you can help them. And I think that's why we are kind of a special field. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse that we have of being, you know, as a whole, such a a general profession, you know, where we can be thrown in absolutely any setting and no one really knows what we do. Um, You know, the public doesn't really have a good understanding of, of what it is that, that OTs do on a day-to-day basis because I mean we don't even know like it, it really depends on 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 the setting it depends on the on the, the clientele mostly but yeah we have this sort of foundational framework where we look at the person as a whole it doesn't really matter what their their symptoms are it doesn't matter what their precise diagnosis are what we care about are the functional impacts and how is that person's diagnosis stopping them or sort of uh, challenging them to, to accomplish the type of things that they want to be doing on a day-to-day basis? So the, the, the foundation applies to absolutely any setting we're in. Um, so we, we are incredibly adaptable and flexible, but at the same time, it's difficult to advocate for the profession because we can't say, you know, we do this and we do that. It's black or white and this is who we are. You know, it's tough to sort of get behind a, a, a solid sort of a face of, of OT because it's, it's just so, it's so gray and nuanced and, and flexible. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. I couldn't agree more. I am curious. So I don't have any experience of working in Canada and I really don't know what it's like as far as like billing and what your schedules look like based on your two experiences so far. Can you share like what your daily schedule is approximately and how do you bill and how long do you usually see your patients? How long do they stay on for? I know it's so specific, but I'm just curious if it's different than it is here in the U S at all. Yeah, well, I can speak of the two experiences that I've had so far. Um, they're they're quite different in the sense that they're in two different parts of the the, the country. So they're the you know in Ontario, uh, there is the presence of you know the private stream of occupational therapy, and there is the the public stream as well. So the public stream is. Um, is found in hospitals and clinics, sort of publicly funded institutions. Whereas um, in the Northwest Territories, any any OT is all publicly funded. So um, I can start with my my experience in Ottawa. I was working for a private clinic, and so the, the people that funded us were essentially insurance companies. Um, and so we build by the hour. I saw people uh, mostly in their homes. So I would bill for travel time. I would bill for session time. I would bill also my the time that I spent uh, writing up reports. So everything everything that I that I did for a particular client was billed to their insurance companies. Uh, and so it, the, the days were busy. We had a, a billing target at my company that was, I believe, 30 hours per week. Uh, so between travel, report, and session time, we had to, to, to have 30 hours in, in five days of work. 
and then when it comes to the, the public system where I work here in the, the Northwest Territories, it's quite different. We don't have a billing target. We don't actually, uh, we don't bill essentially. All services are, uh, if someone has a referral, either from a doctor or actually here, uh, people can self-refer themselves to, to rehab services. So as long as you have, you know, a, technically a referral, but I mean, you can do that yourself, you, your services are covered by the, the government. So there's, there's no billing. There's no, I mean, there is, there is some form of, of billing that I'm unaware of, but it's, it's not something that I, I deal with directly. And at, at the end of the day, you know, in, in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's covered by, by the government. Okay, so that's quite different than it is here, but I appreciate you spelling it out because I've always been curious. Yeah, it's it's quite different, and I mean it it, it differs uh, by by province by province as well. In almost any any province in Canada, there is going to be a private stream and a public stream. Uh, I guess the what what changes is the the predominance of of the private versus the, the, the public. Okay. Wow. So I'm very curious to hear about how you took on your OT students and especially your student in India. I think I need more information on how you did that and how you decided, like, how did you support that? I'm so curious. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. That was another experience that, that uh, that challenged me to to the greatest degree. I I felt again like a bit of an imposter in the sense that I I didn't have any experience dealing with spinal cord injured patients. I didn't have much experience at all dealing with uh, stroke patients either. So the clientele that we were working with, I I was grasping at straws. Um, however, I. I was honest and transparent with the students and in letting know, them know that I had never had really any clinical experience, not even in my, in my fieldwork placements with that clientele. So I had about as much information and experience as they did, which was basically none, right? We had the theoretical knowledge from school, but that was, that was far back for me and it happened to be a little bit fresher for them. So. I found that they were clinically more equipped than I was to, to deal with the clientele. And so I was more of a, a supporter, a cheerleader, a, a mentor in the, sense, in, the, in the broader OT sense. Um, if they had questions pertaining to how to, to go through a, an assessment or um, how to, to go through the chart and, and sort of pay attention to pertinent details um i i would guide them there you know i would bring them back to the the underlying ot principles i would make sure that they you know that that their treatment is in line with what they've assessed in line with the, the with goals that are meaningful for the client um, and in line with a sort of a, a theoretical model as well so it was it was looking more at the overarching uh, OT guidelines, I guess, that I was helping them with, as opposed to the 
the practical skills of assessing and treating that particular clientele. So I may be standing alone here, but I think that that sounds like a much healthier experience than to have a CI who's actually in the clinic and is not a cheerleader and does not want to actually teach, but kind of wants to feel superior. I had a fieldwork supervisor. One was incredible. And one, I just felt like she took on students for the CEU credits. They get credit here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I honestly learned a lot more from just watching other therapists and seeing what they were doing and asking questions. And I think that the healthiest thing I could imagine would be somebody who's just positive and wants you to succeed and is there for support. So I think that you did everything right. I think that's a much healthier choice than what some people are receiving. I, I appreciate it. It actually worked out quite well. And I happened to fall on two students that were very good, uh, very independent and ambitious and advocated for their clients. And they really went the extra mile. And so it was easy for me to be in that supportive role and, and to really just applaud their, their efforts. It was, it was really quite a good experience. And it, it really made me re-examine how, how I work. With, with my own clients and it made me really want to be that, that occupational therapist that as well goes the extra mile for, for his clients. So it was, it was truly enriching. You know, it sounds cheesy, but I think that, that I likely learned more from them than, than, they, than they got from me. Uh, but it, yeah, it was definitely a, an experience that I'd do again in, in a heartbeat. That's awesome. And just to give yourself some credit, I'm sure that they would say the exact same thing. They've learned a ton from you. I'm sure of it. Thank you. So were you living in Ottawa when you were helping these students? And were so one of them was physically in India? Actually, two of them were physically in India. And so was I. I, I spent, oh. uh, yeah, I spent about eight weeks and a half total in India. I was on site for about five weeks. And then I spent uh, three weeks sort of traveling with my, my partner and I was still supervising remotely. Hey everybody, I am so genuinely excited to tell you about MedBridge. So MedBridge is a continuing ed site and they have tons of continuing ed courses all available online. You can stream them at your own pace. They also have home exercise plans, which are incredible. You can literally build your own plan with pictures that can perfectly suit whatever client you're working for. It's honestly so awesome. And you get unlimited CEUs. And these CEU courses are just really intriguing and exciting. Like it's, I've done continuing ed online in the past and these ones that they select are just very much in line with what I find interesting. And I feel like you might find them interesting as well. So are you struggling with finding the resources for your time for CEUs with almost 2000 accredited evidence-based streaming courses, live CEU webinars, MedBridge is your all-in-one solution. And actually, if you use my code, it's spill the OT, capital S, capital T, capital OT. So spill the OT, one word, capital S, 
capital T, capital OT, you can get $175 off of your year-long subscription, which is awesome. I mean, that's like significant amount of money off. So if you are interested, please go check it out. Again, use the code SPILLTHEOT, capital S, capital T, capital OT, all one word. All right, I really hope that you go check it out. Enjoy. Wow, okay. So can you speak, I know you had kind of a small window, but can you speak to like any huge differences you noticed from that site versus your experiences in Canada? Yeah, well, definitely the, the most profound difference was the, the sheer lack of resources. Okay. Uh, in India, they, they do have occupational therapists. We were working with, uh, with local occupational therapists but it seems that the the education or the the depth of the education is is quite different. It seems that um, the, the 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 way that the the local occupational therapists go go through assessment and treatment is more sort of an old school mentality, um, and it's it's less sort of functional and adaptive and, and client centered. So that was that was another difference that that I noticed. So that's sort of what what we brought to the table. And I mean, it's I was working actually in in quite a progressive institution in, in India because that's what they do on a regular basis is take on uh, Canadian even um, American students or actually they take students and supervisors from um, across the across the globe. Um, so they, they regularly have sort of that fresh insight, that fresh sort of international insight from the, the people that come in for, for two months or three months at a time. Okay. Wow, that's such a great experience. I just want to mention to anybody who's listening, if you live in India and are practicing or know somebody or in any country, please feel free to email me at spillot at gmail.com and I'd love to hear your story. So you were talking about some things that you hoped could happen in the future with OT. I would love to know where you see yourself going in your career and what are your hopes? Yeah, thanks for, thanks for giving me the opportunity to, to share my sort of projected future in the profession because I, it's something that really fires me up. It's something that, that excites me and, and really gets me up in the morning because I, Again, I, I said it, I think, earlier, but I see so much potential in our profession in, in all of the, 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 the underlying philosophy and the, the, the founding principles and the framework that we work with. I love that we have this holistic view on health and that we see the whole person in their context with their particular social network in, in what you know, and we consider what they love to do, and I think it's 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 amazing. It we're really truly the the only health profession I believe that can that can attest to that. Uh, but I think that as as we move forward, you know, with the the changes that are taking place with our our population, and you know, the American population is similar to the Canadian population, and the international population in that sense uh, you know what we're dealing with right now we're having a 
crisis of uh, an influx of chronic illness, you know, and chronic, it can be chronic physical illness, but also chronic mental illness. Rates of anxiety and depression are higher than they've ever been. Uh, chronic physical illness, diabetes, um, you know, cancer can even be thrown in that, that conversation. Cardiovascular disease, all of these, these, these chronic ailments are, are sh shooting through the roof and our, our healthcare system was just not built to handle this. And so I think healthcare has to transform. Um, and I think that as OTs, we can have a huge role in that. And I mean, it's, you don't have to, to go too far to, to figure out what needs to be done with regards to um, these, these chronic ailments. And it's all about, it's all about prevention. It's all about promote, promoting a healthier lifestyle and avoiding sort of factors that will, that will ex accelerate or exacerbate um, predispositions that will lead to, to these chronic ailments. So I think that we, you know, by the fact that we, we view health so holistically, I think that we can be, we can be right in the thick of it when it comes to preventing um, negative health factors and helping, really helping people design their lives in a way that they, that they, you know, that they are engaging in meaningful occupation every day. They're getting good sleep. They, you know, they have healthy coping mechanisms that, that enable them to manage their stress. They're physically active. They're, you know, I think that we have, we can have such a, a broad, a broad impact on people's lives. You know, people that might be on the surface healthy, that might be, you know, definitely below the, the, the threshold for any, any of these diagnoses yet. But we can work with them preventatively and proactively so that people have a, a lifestyle that is conducive to, to a, better, a better health in the long term, you know, and, and sort of a, a meaningful life and, and, and a healthy sort of energized and full life. So I think that's where, that's where I want to take um, this profession. That's, that's where I want to, I want to be. I don't want to be stuck in the reactive realm of healthcare where I'm just helping people cope with um, symptoms that, that, you know, that have been going on for, for too long, or, you know, I don't want to be working with people that, that, you know, that have gone past a point of no return. I want to help people work with where they're at and um, enhance and optimize their health, no matter where they are on the, on the spectrum of life and on the spectrum of health. I love all of that. I appreciate that. Um, a secret dream of mine is in my perfect world. I, I'm not a good dancer, but I love music. I love dancing. And I would love to have like senior dance classes where yeah. it's like an aerobics and you work on balance, but really you're dancing while you do it. And it's like safe and graded for people to be able to go who like might not have such great balance, but 
I'll give them moves right. that they can participate in. It's like a secret dream. I think that's that's such a, a great idea. I, I love the sound of it. I, I think that there's so much to gain from from things like music and dancing and just play. You know, we, we see health with such a rigid and serious look. You know, we, we think that it has to be this way and that way. But really, we don't, we don't realize that that engaging in things that really, that really, um, well, that engage us, you know, that really captivate us and, and capture our attention, those are the most therapeutic things. And that's why you're seeing things like zoo therapy or, or, or pet therapy. Um, you're seeing things like music therapy and drama therapy and all of these types of, you know, I, I think even sport therapy and mindfulness therapy, all of these things are, are emerging seemingly out of nowhere, but it's, it's really things that, that are captivating for people and that, that helps them regulate their, their central nervous system at the end of the day. So I, I love the idea of, yeah, dancing, any, any sort of play-based therapy, in my opinion, you know, whether it's for kids, for adults, for, for uh, seniors, I think it's, it's a tremendous idea. Yeah. Well, maybe we can start a movement. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think it starts with just, yeah, it starts with awareness, helping, helping sort of shift people's perspective of occupational therapy and healthcare as a whole. And, and what's therapeutic versus what is just, you know, coping or, or, or numbing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Can you share a little bit about your Instagram page? Yeah, so that's been a bit of a, a passion project that, that I've started with two really good friends of mine, Ellie and Catherine. And Catherine is a occupational therapy student at the moment at the University of Ottawa. And Ellie is actually... Uh, out of the three of us, the most experienced occupational therapist. She also studied at the University of Ottawa. Uh, we happened to be friends before I, I even took on uh, occupational therapy school. Um, so we, we really have this, this sort of tight-knit uh, trio. And basically, it's just we're, we're passionate about OT, and we want to really empower occupational therapists, just like you. You know, we want to empower... Uh, the people that are passionate about our profession. We want to sort of create a cohesive community so that we can advocate for ourselves and that we can, we can sort of have an influence on the, on the future direction of the, the profession. So it, it's really sort of a passion project. We started it out just about a year ago. It was in, in May of 2019, so we're closing in on a year. We just reached a thousand followers, so we're still a, a pretty small community, um, relatively speaking. But we're we're growing and and we're really having fun with it. It's really nice to to have this opportunity to connect with OTs from from everywhere. We've had a lot of OTs from the states actually connect with us, and it's been such a treat to just yeah have that that platform to connect with like minded. Uh, people and, and sort of share share our passion and sort of inter inter influence one another into into being the sort of the best clinicians and best people that that we can be so that we can proudly sort of show off our our profession i think it is so great and 
I, I'm a huge proponent for social media. I know it gets its bad reputation, but mm. I think if it's used correctly, it can be such a bonding experience and a way to bring people together and build a community. So I love what you're doing. Thank you so much. And thank you for what you do, Robin. I think it's, it's tremendous. I, I'm definitely going to be a, a regular listener of your podcast from now on. I think, you know, we're, we are, we are on the same team when it comes to, to really um, bringing our, our profession together. And so thank you for, for everything that you do. You're so sweet. Thank you. My last question I ask everybody, sounds like I know the answer, but if you could do it again, would you send yourself to OT school? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, in a heartbeat. I, I, again, I go back to the, the fact that I see so much potential in our profession. And I think that we, it's, it's so cool because we get to decide where we take this. So we have so much agency and so much, uh, so much landscape ahead of us. And it's, it's up to us to decide where we go. I think that is such a good reminder because I used to have such a light and a glow and it kind of went away just because I myself was getting burnt out. But mm -hmm. I've been talking to a lot of new grads and OT students and it's firing me up and I don't think that it's too late for anybody. So I just feel like you just have to find that area that you're passionate about and run with it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Right. Well, thank you so, so much for doing this. Thanks again, Robin. It's been such a, such a pleasure chatting with you and having the opportunity to, to sort of speak to our, our broader OT community. It's, it's really been a treat. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And as always, if you would like to come on the show, please email me at spilltheot at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram at spill underscore the underscore OT. And if you like this episode, please rate and review it on iTunes and share it with a friend. Have a great week. Bye. Hey everybody, I am so genuinely excited to tell you about MedBridge. So MedBridge is a continuing ed site and they have tons of continuing ed courses all available online. You can stream them at your own pace. They also have home exercise plans, which are incredible. You can literally build your own plan with pictures that can perfectly suit whatever client you're working for. It's honestly so awesome. And you get unlimited CEUs. And these CEU courses are just really intriguing and exciting. Like it's, I've done continuing ed online in the past and these ones that they select are just very much in line with what I find interesting. And I feel like you might find them interesting as well. So are you struggling with finding the resources for your time for CEUs with almost 2000 accredited evidence-based streaming courses, live CEU webinars, MedBridge is your all-in-one solution. And actually, if you use my code, it's spill the OT, capital S, capital T, capital OT. So spill the OT, one word, capital S, capital T, capital OT. You can get $175 off of your year-long subscription, which is awesome. I mean, that's like significant amount of money off. So if you are interested, please go check it out. Again, use the code spill the OT, capital S, capital T, capital OT, all one word. All right. I really hope that you go check it out.
Enjoy.